Welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown, the podcast where we watch scary movies so you don't have to. From award-winning to completely unknown, we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Solange Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously as we take these movies seriously. Soli, yes. do you know what a road train is? Yeah, it's a semi. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, the term road train is apparently not used anywhere about Australia. No, and here's the thing. They were amazed <laughs> and enthralled at the idea of seeing a double semi. That was my favorite scene. I wrote down a quote from it. Ah, oh, it's beautiful. Right? Like Literally was like, one of the lines. They are mind blown at the idea that a semi hauling two trailers exists. They're like, oh, let's just watch it pass us. It's going to be incredible. When this scene was happening, I was like, I see this happen on a daily basis in the United States. Like here in Austin, uh, we, we live on I-35. Yeah. We see it all the time. Do they really never see these? And then the rest of the movie went on, and I realized there are no cars in Australia. Oh, no. That that and two other vehicles is it for the is whole it? place. The whole movie. So I guess it is shocking to them to see anything mm-hmm. <laughs> driving on the roads. I don't know. Yeah, that, it was a special treat for them. <laughs> but I really thought, like, the road train... The way they were talking about it, I was like, it's going to be like something different than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But no, it was exactly what I thought. And yeah. I wasn't impressed. Yeah, it's a it's a semi with two trailers. Yeah. And the level of joy and awe that they expressed at this, it kind of makes me feel like that was like an idea behind the movie. They're like, wouldn't it be great if we had a movie that featured a road train so people could experience that? Yes. <laughs> like, what? And the thing, like, by someone who had literally never seen a semi before, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, it was it was weird. They loved it so much that they named the movie Road Train 2010. They did. They did. Here's the thing, though. The completely bizarre emotional response to seeing a double trailer semi was in keeping with the rest of the movie because there was not one emotional response where I was like, that's that's rational, that's reasonable, that's how a normal human being would react to something. And it didn't matter, like there, some of them were way too much reaction and others were just no reaction at all to yeah, things that you would definitely ones. react to. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was baffled by how all of these people interacted with the world. That's all four of these people, the couple Craig and Nina, and the other couple, Marcus and Liz. Yes, who have gone on their like annual camping trip that Craig, Marcus, and Liz go on every year. And Nina is along now because she's Craig's 
girlfriend, mm-hmm. which is a problem for it's Liz. Very complex. Because I'm just going to say Liz kind of liked having both guys on the trip with her. I guess. There's a little bit of a love quadrangle mixing it all up. Yes. See, that's just more of the emotional weirdness, though. Like, why? Why did Craig and Marcus and Liz decide to go on this trip that they always go on immediately after Marcus had learned that Liz had cheated on him with Craig, his best friend? Like, this triangle is broken, and they're like, well... It's time to get in the car and go on a road trip together. I know what'll fix it. Let's bring someone else so that Liz can be jealous that the guy she really wants to be with is with someone else. And she's stuck with her same old boyfriend. And then we never really get any relationship-y stuff between Marcus and Liz. At first, Liz is trying to make a little move on Marcus. And he's like, hmm. Whatever, because he's annoyed. He knows the only reason she's doing it is because they're hearing Craig and Nina in the next tent, and she's, like, wanting to get even with Craig or something. Something. I don't even know. And so, like, the the only real couple interaction they have is later in the movie when they hate each other. Like, total hatred. They wish each other would die, and it's like, how did these two go on a trip together? This is terrible. Right. Like, Marcus finally confronts her. Like, we... Two-thirds of the movie, we're just getting these, like, weird tension, sexual vibes between the three of them and wondering what on earth is going on. Mm-hmm. I honestly, for a significant period of the time, thought that they were a thruple that was having trouble. Yeah. But... Finally, Liz and Marcus are alone and Marcus like lets her have it for what, you know, you cheated on me. Like we finally find out what happened. But in a, at a point in the movie where they are already like they've been kidnapped by this road train that is possessed and is possessing them. They're lost in the wilderness. They're being chased down by a guy with a gun. Like, there are so many terrible things happening. Very stressful situation. And they decide to take a minute in the middle of trying to find the road again to have <laughs> a, a little fight about who cheated on whom. And Yeah, it got pretty bad. Priorities. I, th- I think he threw her water on the ground and dumped it out. The last little bottles of water they had. Which... It's it's the last water he has, too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she made him share the water he had left after he did that. So that was just stupid. Well, yeah. It was so stupid. That was during the scene where they walk down the dirt road. Everyone's mad at Marcus because somehow he gets off the main road. The somehow is they were all possessed and, like, in a trance because yes. of the truck. Because at this point, they're driving the road train themselves, which... Or we they haven't think gotten, they are. Yeah. We haven't gotten into that, but they were. Yeah. Let me just quick, the beginning of the movie, they're driving, road train's coming, it runs them off the road, and then they come back to it, and it's empty, and their car's not working, so they take the road train, and that's how we get going on this trip. And they are so excited that they are driving <laughs> yes. a road train. Yes, they are. So anyway, the road train possesses them. They end up like out in some quarry at the end of some dirt road. And they're all mad at him, even though they were all unconscious. I don't know what. Yeah. The, I don't know why they are mad at him. The truck made them all fall asleep. So they walk back down this dirt road. They get back to the main road. They have their fight, 
And then Liz storms off in search of people by going down the dirt road on the other side of the main road. Yeah, she said when they wake up in this quarry after Marcus has driven them off the road, apparently, she says that she saw a shack a couple kilometers back. Mm. And that doesn't make any sense because they've all been asleep this whole time. And if she had been awake to see the shack, she also would have seen Marcus driving them off the road and would have been like, hey, let's stay on the road. Also, they never went down that other dirt road, which is the dirt road she found the shack down. Way down. And this, my friends, is why... I was so angry at this movie because there were so many instances like this where I'm like, no, she didn't see this shack. It's way down a dirt road that they never went down. So why is she saying she saw the shack? Mm -hmm. There were so many things. The continuity in this movie was so broken that it was infuriating to me. Well, And this is a very different aside, but I'm very curious about this shack in which she found... Cans of soup, which might have been blood. Yeah. They were evil-possessing soup. It was either tomato soup. Sweet and sour sauce. Sweet and sour sauce, or the canned remains of somebody else (laughs) who had been in this shack. Yes, because she also found a severed foot inside a boot, which was like recently severed. It was bloody. And don't know what that was about. And they really glossed this over, just pan back and forth past it a couple times. But there was a diagram on the wall, which I think related to how the evil truck works, but I'm not sure. So I don't know what this shack was about that was way off the road and didn't mean anything. In the completely opposite direction that the truck went in. It was an Uh, evil shack that was related to the whole truck phenomenon. Yes, so apparently all of the Australian outback is possessed by these this Cerberus style demon. Yes, the truck has a Cerberus hood ornament which keeps fascinating people deeply mm-hmm. to the point that early on in the movie there's a three wolf moon scene where they're like three howling, I guess they're Cerberus heads but really they're just dogs, uh howling at the moon like in transparent silhouette in mm. front of a mountain is mm-hmm. very classy. Mm-hmm. Well, because once you've been like hypnotized by the hood ornament, then you start seeing and hearing these dogs. Yes. Like, or at least it keeps cutting to these dogs. Which, right. And I think Craig saw them a lot. Mm-hmm. And Liz seemed to see them a lot. I'm not sure if Nina and Marcus were seeing these dogs. I don't think Nina ever did. I don't think Marcus did either. Uh, Yeah, I don't think so. Marcus got himself possessed a whole different way, which is there's this whole other guy who was shooting at them when they went to go get in the truck. And turns out he was the one driving the truck, which they should have been like, oh, sorry, sir, here's your truck. Didn't mean to steal it. (laughs) But they drove off with it. And apparently he walked the whole distance they drove. It didn't take that long and caught up with them and was going to shoot them and be terrible. And Marcus encountered him, and in a scene we didn't see happen, he turned the tables on him and shot the guy. And stole his coat. And stole his coat and made himself become evil in the process. Right. So that makes me think that there's something, because Marcus was the one who was driving when these kids were in the car. So, like, whoever drives the vehicle kind of becomes crazy in this way. You know, like, is driven insane in this way. But also whoever looks 
the hood ornament in the eyes for too long, apparently. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's all, it, these are very clear cut rules. You're just not understanding them. But like the walking thing too, there's another continuity issue. They drove for a significant <laughs> amount of time in a semi truck that was going quite quickly. Yeah. And yet this guy who was barely functional managed to catch up to them on foot yeah. within a very short amount of time. Yeah, he sure did. But that's all of that, all of the extreme weirdness of this fits in with the very first thought I had. These people are all dead. The truck hit them and killed them. Mm. And now they're dead. And this is not the world anymore. This is all part of the afterlife. But the, the movie does not make sense that way. It's, no, it's not it doesn't. That. But when you mentioned that while we were watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, there's like the whole underworld and the Cerberus yeah. and like. I don't know, we're going to see the who's the guy in the boat who carries you across the river sticks and like yeah. there's going to be like a whole there they're being traveled to the underworld via sure. this road train would have been very interesting but surprise none of that was a part of it. None of that. It was just these four like 20 somethings college age kids battling each other because these Cerberus this Cerberus demon and this possessed truck were making them do terrible things. Possessed truck named Mona. I feel like that was just the gun guy. <laughs> like that, the driver who hit them, he called the truck Mona. No one else did. It's true. Why? Like, again, continuity. I mean, oh. it's fine if he had his own special pet name. It's a waste of time because <laughs> he was hardly in the movie. He was hardly in it. It just... It was, the pacing and the the where we put our attention in this movie was was so random and disconnected like spending all the time in the shack that why it didn't contribute anything yeah. to adding to it aside from maybe that was when Liz drank the canned remains of some other person out of a can well definitely she became evil when she did that but not as evil as Craig. There are different levels there of evil. There are levels. Yeah. And there are so many other ways she could have become evil that would have <laughs> like avoided that whole that whole side story. Yeah. For example, Craig's little adventure into possession is mm. that he got a severe bone fracture during the original car crash and they were all worried he was going to die so they're like trying to get to civilization. Mm -hmm. And he's just laying in the back of the truck, but it's the, the back the, of the front of the, the truck. The back of the cab. Yeah. Yes, the back of the truck cab. And he's, you know, feeling woozy and whatever, not doing so hot, and everybody else is off adventuring. And he sees like a rip in the seat and looks through it and finds there's a meaty interior world to the seat and finds a meat key in there, which... You know, if you're not familiar with meat keys, <laughs> that's a normal house key which has meat wrapped around the part you hold. Yeah. Standard yeah. kind of thing. And it turns out that's the key to one of the two, or maybe both, of the two truck trailers, which they never got to look into before this point. Sure. So he goes in there, and we hear him being, you know, screaming and dogs snarling and everything. And I was like, oh, well, that was the end of Craig. But no, no. It was not. It was not. It was the beginning of new Craig. Yes. He came out of there, um, well, 
I want. I was gonna say healing, but no. <laughs> no. The bone is still sticking out of his arm. He just doesn't care anymore. Yeah, and his arm works very well now. Yeah, that's just how he is now. And he comes out like super confident. <laughs> yeah. And like, like takes his Zan- shirt off, and <laughs> it's like when Xander got split into two different people. Yes. <laughs> the very confident Xander. <laughs> yes. yes. Because also kind of douchebaggy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, his regular self was too, but yeah. And a little, like, vaguely lupine. Yeah. Like... Like three dogs. A little or bit. Or a three-headed dog. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't do anything that's overtly dog-like, but there's something about the way he moves now, which is, that's like, kind of wolfy. acting, Solange. The way he moved made me think, when you said that one of the guys in this movie had been in twilight that it must have been him and he must have played one of the werewolves because he had experience but it turns out it wasn't him it was it was marcus yeah so marcus just gave him some lessons on set i guess so i guess so so what happened and we don't find this out until much later is that when craig went into the back of the truck trailer he discovers that the truck runs on humans. Well, okay, hold the train. Because the first truck trailer is full of the human processing equipment. Right, there's like a conveyor belt and a <laughs> yeah. giant... Uh, like a wood chipper. Wood chipper sort of thing <laughs> that they just go into and get ground up. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's what powers the truck. Yeah. The second tr- car, we never see what's in there. Well, that's it where the hauling is. It appears to be empty. Oh, no, that's where all the stuff they're hauling is. Well, they're not hauling much because it's like we see like the back half of it and it's empty. Oh, did they go into that one? That's the one that he went into and got eaten by Cerberus. Like, we never see oh. what's in there. Huh. So I don't know that he learned how it works, although I, I think he did, at least, you know, infused into his brain. But yeah. but all that machinery was in the other I, car. I had missed that. So we don't find out about that machinery until later when Liz gets in there. Yeah. No, when Nina gets in there. Right. The, the, the final girl. Yes. The final girl. Was there anything about her to indicate that she had some kind of knowledge about autos, like <laughs> mechanics. I, I, not that I know. Was she like Sam from the toy box? Where like she knew something? I don't think so. Because for some reason, she was the one that they just kept being like, figure out how it works. Yeah. And she's like walking around underneath it. She finds a giant tube filled with sweet and sour sauce uh-huh. that she T- disassembles. Yeah, she takes a part of a tube out of the engine. And it's just, and they never put it back in. No, but the engine still works, so that's good. It wasn't important. Doesn't make any sense. I mean, you don't need sweet and sour sauce to make a truck run. I'm pretty sure that was the <laughs> d- the remains, and it, that's what it runs on. Like she did, disassembled think. the fuel line of this vehicle. Speaking of the fuel line, the first thing she did when they got stuck there and their truck wouldn't start is she opened up the huge fuel tanks that were underneath the first trailer, and she was like, what? Knock, knock, knock. It's, you know, empty. This is These fuel tanks aren't just empty. They're dry. They've never had fuel in them. That's how she said. I don't feel how that she would know that. How? Right? <laughs> but clearly, her point is they haven't had it recently, 
they're, they're very dry and they don't they smell like gas. Smell. Yeah, they have a new car smell. So what's funny about that is that she forgets that. So like later in the movie, she just starts the truck up and it works and she doesn't think, well, that's odd. There shouldn't, there's no gas in this truck. No, no. So, okay, here's the thing. This movie had plenty of misogyny in it because the two guys were beanbags and the two girls were bimbos and whatever. They were like all that stuff. The part that made me the most annoyed with that, though, is that while they simultaneously have her being the one, you know, because that's what they like to do. Like, she's not like other girls. (laughs) She knows how cars work. Um they have her being the one who somehow is going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But then later when the guys are gone and it's just the two women, they're trying to back the vehicle out of the quarry, which was something they had all said earlier on was impossible to do. Yeah. But then these girls managed to do it despite the fact that they are terrible drivers. Like they do not <laughs> seem to understand how physics work in any kind of realistic way. What they're worse at than driving is giving directions because constantly there's like, there's like 10 minutes of this scene going on. There's a lot that happens during this, but the gist of it is one of them's trying to back the truck up while the other one's standing outside far back so that they can look out the mirror and get directions from that person. That person giving the directions walks off and disappears like seven times during the yeah. sequence. Also, at no point was that person actually standing in a place where the person in the <laughs> cab of the vehicle would have been able to see them. Yeah. And it, none of it made any they sense. They were just jumping rope behind the back of the truck. Exactly. <laughs> there were also, going back to my continuity issues, there were there was a whole lengthy back and forth scene where like we're jumping from Nina backing the vehicle up and finally, she finally figures out. Like that she jackknifes it immediately, yeah. which you could see she was doing from the angle. I was so annoyed. <laughs> and then somehow they managed to fix that, and she's backing the vehicle up. And so we're like, shot of Nina in the car backing it up. Jump to shot of Craig back next to the vehicle talking to Marcus. Yeah, where nothing is moving. Shot of Nina. Vehicle is moving. Shot of Craig. Nothing is moving. He's standing next They're to the vehicle. They're having a conversation for several minutes next to this unmoving truck. And each time we go back to Nina, she's making progress. Like the whole point of the Nina shots are that they are getting where they're trying to go. They're like, oh, okay, now yeah, go this way, go that way. Meanwhile, Craig is standing immediately next to one of the trailers that is not moving in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, this was a whole like Lovecraftian non-Euclidean universe where <laughs> nothing really connected and made physical sense. <laughs> Non-Euclidean. Are you going to make that a new tag in your uh-huh. records? Because I, I feel like that's a really, really good description. There are a number of horror movies that could fit that. Yeah. But yes, like... Uh, it it feels better to think that maybe they were doing it on purpose because that was it was so jarring. It yeah. it hurt me to watch these two scenes being interspersed because I'm like, no, this this can't be happening. I'm but so the annoyed. good news is at the end of that sequence, 
we know that she is in reality backing the truck up because Craig shoves Marcus's head under the tire and lets it back up over his head. Because suddenly now that back trailer is moving. Yeah. <sighs> Maybe that whole conversation was like in the moments before she started moving. No. <laughs> no. It was jumping back and forth. If that's what the case was, then the editing was done in a way that was very misleading and very poorly designed. And speaking of Craig hanging out next to the side of the truck, he spent like the last third of this movie undetectable. Like he was, Mm -hmm. he had run off. They didn't know where he was. And he like was hanging out right around the truck. He was always in one spot or another. And they just didn't know he was there. Even when they were like looking out the mirror where he would have been down that side of the truck. And it's just like he was was impossible to find they acted like the trailer of the road train was like the size of a building which fits very much how they felt about the road train yeah but doesn't match the fact that the road train drove on a road like a normal vehicle because when they were first super excited about seeing it they're like have you ever had one pass you and they're like it's like a it's like an apartment building passing by and it's not. It's no. like a, a big car going by. <laughs> Two big cars. Yeah. But Liz is walking along. Like, she's on the one side of the ve- of the trailer, giving the directions from a spot that Nina can't possibly see. <laughs> yeah. And immediately on the other side of that same trailer, Marcus is <laughs> holding Craig's head under a truck. tire she hears nothing she hears nothing she has no idea never mind the fact that there's like the way the angles were these trailers did have really high clearance so like just from the angle she could have been standing there and she should have seen their feet she should have seen craig laying on the ground that's on the other side she didn't no because they weren't there because these were two entirely different seats Maybe it's a multiverse situation. You don't know how big a road train is. Nobody does because it's entirely dependent on the scene and what needs to happen in the scene. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that the trailers may have been somewhat larger than an actual semi because when these girls walked by the trailer, like, I'm not kidding. When when Nina went to look at something underneath one of the trailers like she barely had to duck down like yeah. I mean, it, it was, was there like was three like, or four feet yeah there was space. like four feet of clearance so i guess maybe it was taller because a regular semi doesn't have that kind of clearance yeah it was really big but i mean not extreme just just big yeah, yeah. i don't know so by the end of the movie i could not keep up with the notes where i was like craig was hunting down nina and Liz, mm-hmm. but also alternately alternately telling them that they were the one for him and that yeah. he had murdered the other one so that he could be with them. Like he was totally like trying to play both sides of this thing. And whichever one was in front of him, he was like, you're the one. You, we're going to be together forever. We just have yeah. to kill this other person. And... He flip-flopped back and forth between the two of them so fast, I could not keep up notes of who was winning and losing in any given moment. Yeah, and Liz was kind of going along with it because she had been drinking the sweet and sour sauce, so she was kind of evil. And because she, I don't know, I think she was kind of evil to begin with because she was like, 
that's fine. Now that that annoying Marcus is out of the way, now like I can be with the guy I really want to be with and we can get rid of that girl who horned in on my trip. Yes, we can murder her. Yeah. Which is normal. And then Nina, every once in a while, would play into it, but she was pretending Yeah, more often. Like, I literally, I have notes where I'm like, Nina's going to die. Oh, nope, Nina's too smart. Nope, Nina's captured. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> I'm like, <sighs> yeah. it went back and forth. And Craig's trying to drag Nina into the back of the trailer to, I think, have her be cerberus yeah, like it makes her into evil also. But then sometimes Nina is trapping him inside. Yeah. But then she traps him inside and then just leaves the door propped open. I forgot that she does the exact same thing twice in this movie. Where, yes. Where she like agrees with him that she's going to go in that trailer in the mm-hmm. back. And he steps in first. And she like kicks him or shoves him or whatever so that he falls in and she slams the door, doesn't lock it up. Doesn't even close it. And it's it's the exact same thing in two different situations. Mm-hmm. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. Finally, Nina gets her hands on the gun, which more continuity issues. We yeah. saw them put the gun in the box and she finds it in her purse after having looked in the box and, and not nothing. finding it. Yeah. Which is weird. Like, you'd think, oh, no, Craig stole it. But no, she stole it from herself. Here's the thing. I think Craig did steal it. And then they forgot that Craig stole it. And they were like, I don't know. She needs to get the gun. I guess have it in her purse so she can grab it. Yeah. It was so weird. So she finally gets her hands on the gun. And then there's the whole, like, will she shoot him? Won't she shoot him? And then he says, I love you. And she shoots him three times, which was very appropriate (laughs) given the number of times he had jerked her around in that sense. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, she shot him a lot. Yeah. And so we have Nina being the final girl because Marcus gets his head smashed by the truck. Mm -hmm. And although to be fair, later we see him in the hopper and I didn't think it was him because the person in the hopper had a head. Yeah. And I checked on IMDb and they said, yeah, that was really him. And. For some reason, he had a head again. Because they forgot that they smushed his head. It fits right in with the rest of the movie. Marcus gets his head smashed, and then his head comes back, and he he ends up in the wood chipper. <laughs> Liz gets thrown out the door of the cab. Oh, yeah. And then Craig takes her and puts her in the wood chipper. Craig gets shot by Nina. And then... Two guys who were in a vehicle, like a car towing an RV sort of thing, that they, the four of them, ran down with the road train. Yeah, that was because Craig had this dream of a future of them just driving around the outback, killing people and putting them in the hopper. Right. And Liz was going to be on board. Nina was pretending she was going to be on board. And Marcus was already dead. Right. And and Craig and Liz like just show up out of nowhere in the cab suddenly. That's right. While they Nina were, is driving, they were trapped back in the Cerberus hole. And then poof! I was like, and are they, they were, ghosts? Yeah. How did they get there? That part doesn't make sense. Nope. I mean, everything else made so much sense. But at that, that's the point when Liz gets thrown out, and then you know she's injured and whatever, and so then she gets thrown into the hopper. So. 
everyone is dead except Nina. The road train is stopped because they've been fighting again. Mm-hmm. And, and Craig's been chasing Nina around through the woods because suddenly they're in the woods now after having been in desert for yeah. all of this time. Hey, that's how the outback rolls. And suddenly Nina sees that the two people who were in the vehicle, that they literally exploded into shards. Like it was toothpicks (laughs) flying through the air after they hit this vehicle. Nope. The two people who were in there, they survived. They walk down the road. They find the road train and they're like, I know we can drive this back to safety. And they also were pretty excited about the opportunity. So excited. They were like, yeah, let's do that. Never mind that we just about died a second ago. Right? So now they're stealing the road train and Nina is like running after them. And all I could think was they definitely saw her. She's running they across did. a completely open field in in an angle in front of the the front of the vehicle as they're driving away. You know they were like, nah, not interested. We're just yeah. gonna keep going. There's no question. And then she like kind of chases after them a little bit way to the side of their truck. Yeah. There's no possible way to miss no. her. No. So they ignore her and take off with the truck, possibly because they've already been possessed some, sure. possibly because they, like the other four, are dead, and all of them are dead, yeah. and there's nobody alive in this movie. But at the end, Nina just sits next to the rubble of the RV, finds some water in a cooler, finds a chair and a blanket, and she just like <laughs> settles in. I mean, what else are you going to do? And that's that. We have our final girl. Yeah. That's how the movie ends. And the road train has gone on to its next story. Its next chapter. (gasps) Road Train 2. Road Train 2. Which reminds me, don't ask why, that at the beginning of this movie, when it was first, you know, saying, oh, it's Road Train. And I, I think the road train started coming towards us, towards the camera. And we're like, ooh, here it comes. Boom, we got our first commercial because we were watching it on a thing with commercials. (laughs) (laughs) And it just kicks right off with Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne. And it was like, it was very appropriate. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. And here we are, four possessed movies in Motorboat, Killdozer, Toy Box, Road Train. Mm. Interestingly, all four of them, the title of the movie is the vehicle name or description. Yes. Very classy. A lot of thought went into all of those. And between them, we've got Motorboat was just, and this is no indictment of anything. We've got ratings. You can look at the numbers. Motorboat, pure trash. Killdozer, (laughs) 50s B-movie sci-fi. Toy Box, modern trash. (laughs) <laughs> and Road Train is... Australian trash? Australian trash. <laughs> it, it's so different, though. Like, I think between all of these movies, this is the one... Well, Killdozer feels like a real movie, but mm. a real 70s movie. Road Train feels like a modern college kids getting murdered kind of movie. Like, it, it feels like it's there, but it doesn't make any sense at any point it never bothers to explain anything which is fine because it's unexplainable since nothing makes sense even just in basic logic terms and 
I don't know. It, 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 like, it, like it felt like we were watching like Final Destination or Scream or something, but it was insane. Mm-hmm. And it's that insanity that makes me think it might not have been that great of a movie. Okay. One thing we didn't mention was like how, <laughs> like, like this movie tried to compress the the trauma and danger because these people were only gone for a day like they were in the course of one day all this happens but it had them you know like dying of thirst and Mm. you know just like montage shots of them baking in the sun and being like oh it's so awful and and like they're starving and like her drinking the sweet and sour sauce because she was so hungry Mm -hmm. it was another case of the weirdness was Mm -hmm. just like relax it's it's been an afternoon it's been a few hours. <laughs> Road trip time is weird. It really is. Yeah. That was one of the things. As they, the movie opens with them camping, and then they go and get it back in their car to continue their trip. And when they get back in their car, you know, they do the classic thing that is, it's in every movie. But, you know, a bunch of young 20-somethings getting back in their car to get on a road trip. They all go, woo, yeah! Think about that. Think about, you've just been sitting in camp, and now you're getting in your car for a seven-hour drive to get to your next thing. That's not the reaction. So exciting. Also, you're getting in a car where you have beef with literally everyone (laughs) else in the car. Totally. It's totally just something that they think is supposed to be in that movie because they've seen it in other movies. But that is not how you react when you're getting in your car for a really long drive. Yep. So anyway, that, like everything else in this movie, makes no sense and connects to nothing else in the movie. And so overall, I have to award this film one and a half bottles of pee out of five. Okay. I keep thinking about how you described it as non-Euclidean, and that is so appropriate. And when you were talking about how it didn't make any sense, I was thinking about how it's like they made the film, and it was twice as long as it needed to be. Yeah. And then they just randomly went through and cut out (laughs) until they were down to the time that they wanted. And they didn't take any consideration into whether anything made any sense after they took out the pieces. They were just like... Eh, good enough. Yeah. It's close. Now we're at the right running time. Perfect. Mwah. Print. Yeah, that makes sense. The other thought that I had was it's sort of like if if this movie were happening like in the Spider-Verse where like <laughs> like three or four very similar parallel timelines were happening. Mm-hmm. And they had filmed... The whole story in all three of them. Yeah. You know, like when in music videos, they're like, we're going to film the song being sung in this bar, and then we're going to film it being sung on this beach, and then we're going to film it being sung in the middle of this abandoned road, and then we're going to cut into it yeah. get back and forth between the different ones. Is like that. They kept cutting back and forth <laughs> between these similar but parallel universes. Yeah. Where they're like, yeah, I know that Craig is dead in this other universe, but and we're jumping over to this one where he's still alive. No one will notice. No one will notice. That's what it felt like. Yeah. I'm going to take a really controversial stance and say, I don't like that. Okay. <laughs> I feel like that might just be you, though. 
That is bad. How about that? That's my controversial stance. That's a a bad way to make a movie. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't make any sense. I didn't care about any of these characters. I didn't care if any of them lived or died or or really know whether any of them was alive or dead at any given moment. (laughs) Right. And there was nothing new or unique about it. It was just like someone had thrown a bunch of different horror movies sort of like you were saying, you know, like Scream and Final Destination and, you know, whatever. It thrown a bunch of things into the hopper and then just stuck the pieces together To make their movie go. (laughs) Yes. I don't know. One thing we didn't mention yet was that at one point, Nina and Liz, Marcus finds them and he's got the gun and he's attacking them and they whack him on the head with a wrench. Yep. And then they take him and tie him to like, I think it's the rack under the trailer where you put like the spare tires. Yeah. But there's no spare tires there. They just put him there and just like bungee cord him to this rack. Yeah. And it didn't make any sense at the time because I was like, wait, why aren't they putting him on the bed in the back of the cab? (laughs) The huge space for for laying people down. Tie him up and put him in the vehicle. And I thought, well, he must be dead, and they don't want, you yeah, know. That's the only thing that makes whatever. sense. No, he wasn't he dead. He was very He wasn't dead. even unconscious. The <laughs> next time we see him, he's just laying there underneath the truck, like, kind of moaning and moving around, and then Craig gets him, and, you know, bad things happen to him. And then they t- the girls find his headless body, wrap it in a blanket, put it in the same spot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've only got one body spot. <laughs> Apparently, that's where you put the bodies. But... Like, that's a perfect example of how I didn't understand how these people were reacting to the situations that they were in. Yeah. It didn't make any sense. I think this is the first time I'm going to do this all year long. I am giving this movie one bottle of pee out of five. It There was... I'm not giving it a zero because it wasn't, like, blatantly offensive. It's a movie. Somebody made it. They put some kind of effort into it. But there was nothing about this movie that I enjoyed. It wasn't even enjoyable as a bad movie, really. Like, if, you, if I'm going to watch a bad yeah, movie, of the four, I would rather watch Motorboat if I was going to watch a oh, terrible yeah. movie. For sure. And it wasn't, like, it was kind of trying to be, like, weird and scary and terrifying, but it didn't do that as well as, as to- the Toy Box did. Not that the toy box did it well, but like it wasn't even that good. It just, yeah. I wanted this to be something special and it had nothing for me. So Hmm. one out of five. All right. Well, that was a big finale to our Halloween event. I did enjoy watching, like, we went way out of what we normally would have picked, I think, because we had this theme of haunted vehicles there's something about a vehicle that's not being driven by anybody (laughs) it's creepy this was the only one of the ones where it actually did have to be driven by somebody at no point did this truck drive Mm -hmm. itself yeah that's true although definitely evil it was able to control whether it was able whether you could turn it on or not yeah so it could only be driven if it wanted to be driven but it (laughs) did need a driver i think a lot of people have had cars like that though yeah I had a car when I was in like college that I named Christine Ooh. because 
occasionally the the engine would just like I'd be driving and and it would suddenly start revving. Oh, and like I would have to literally turn the vehicle off in order to make that stop. So like I'd be driving, you know, I'd be going 60 miles an hour on this like windy road in northern Minnesota and suddenly my car is accelerating on its own and I'm like standing on the brake pedal and the engine is revving and I'm trying to like slow down enough to Yikes. pull over to the side of the road and turn the vehicle off because of course it was power steering and power everything so if you turned it off oh. it became much harder to drive it yeah yeah wow it was exciting her name was Christine I did not have Christine for very long because Good. she was actively trying to murder me that makes sense. And that story is the conclusion mm. to our possessed vehicle collection. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week with a whole different kind of scary, and you're going to be so scared. <gasps> see you guys then. Happy Halloween. Bye. Bye. That's my favorite tabletop role-playing game, Beanbags and Bimbos.